Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Morning, everybody. News Radio 94.9, 890-KDXU. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I'm joined today by uh, Dr. Dave Blodgett. Now, Dr. Blodgett was supposed to come on earlier in the month, but we had a holiday. That's right. And uh, so he got bumped or, I don't know, he took the day off. But, New, uh, New Year's Day. Nobody wanted to listen to it. Then, right? So. <laughs> that's right. I think I was probably asleep even at, at this time. Well, maybe not at 9, nine that, o'clock. That's a rare break, right? It, it was a rare break and a good break. But uh, thank you again for coming in, kind of a kind of a fill-in, uh, move you around, get you in. You'll be back again next month. But, the, yeah. but thanks for coming yeah, in. Yeah, back on the first Wednesday, I guess that's our usual day. So I, I really felt like it was, it was important to Get, get you in here because of what's going on in the world with the uh, what they're calling the coronavirus. Right. And uh, we'll spend some time talking about that. Uh, I, I told Dr. Blodgett when he walked in, I said, oh, I'm glad, glad we have an expert on the subject. And, and you said, eh, there really isn't an expert yet on yeah, this subject. because Unfortunately, it's, it's changing so quickly, nobody really knows where this is going to fall out. But that, we can talk about that, too. So. Yeah, so, uh, and, and we will be taking your calls, obviously, obviously today, 673-5890 is a phone number. Love to hear from you. If you could, uh, maybe keep it to two medical-type questions with, with Dr. Blodgett here or... You know, if you've got some kind of wild card question like uh, what doc- Dr. Blodgett's favorite color is or something, that we, we, might, we might deal with that. But uh, let's talk about – well, first let's talk – okay. Today there were two deaths because of the flu up in northern Utah. I don't know if you had heard about that, but uh, I think the number you keep telling me is the flu kills more people than, than what, doctor? Any other infectious disease in America. Any so, other infectious disease right, so in America. Every year, more people die from the flu than die from a whole lot of things we get really upset about, like uh, guns, guns, cars, yeah. uh, you know, accidents in cars, things like that. It's uh, it uh, remains, you know, thirty to sixty thousand people, depending on the year. So, uh, you know, we're pretty upset about this coronavirus too, but that's killed maybe 30 people i mean we're not sure because the whole world actually releasing those numbers in the whole world but probably in that same amount of time um 100 200,000 people died from the flu so um this year probably 600,000 people worldwide will die from the flu so there's just really no comparison but uh but it's new right and and new makes it uncertain and so you you have to pay attention to that let's go back to these two young people that died up north uh seemingly healthy we don't know a lot about him one was an eighth grader they did some gofundme pages for him so that that's where we got a little bit of it one was an eighth grader and one was a ninth grader so you assume 14 15 16 years old and seemingly healthy young people going to a military academy in northern utah and and so i think a lot of people go well how can that happen how can someone uh, in the in the prime of their youth die from the flu yeah well, so flu kills people a number of ways. It can kill directly, but most commonly in a situation like this, it's your immune system mounts such a robust response mm-hmm. that you get uh, a rapid cascade of, of immune complement kinds of things, and it causes acute respiratory distress syndrome, it's called, where basically you drown in your own immune response. Wow. And so that's... Uh, during H1N1, that was the thing that really caused the most havoc was it, it's a brand new bug and your immune system hasn't seen it. And so your response actually is, is so dramatic that that's the, what causes more problems than the actual bug itself. So. And, and 
fluids fill the lungs, basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so you get the white blood cells coming to the scene, and you've got this over, overwhelming response that actually overwhelms you, your, your ability to, to deal with it as much as anything. And so uh, I would suspect that something like that happened here. We've mm-hmm. actually had a, a death here in our area that was very similar. Somebody wow. young like that that uh, had a... Uh, a very dramatic acute respiratory distress response where um, you just can't do enough to keep the oxygen flowing and the lungs are full of fluid and there's just not much you can do. So, Man, oh man. Well, we have you know speed limits and seat belts for, for car accidents to try to prevent deaths. We have gun laws and, and things. But uh, what are some of the things that maybe we need to be aware of? Some, I mean, because it, it, one of the parents actually said on their GoFundMe page, it said, we want to get the word out that you know this happened really fast and it got really serious really fast. D- didn't even realize what was happening until it was too late yeah well that's why we encourage the flu vaccine every year Mm -hmm. right and we know that those rates of vaccination are still not where they need to be they're 35 30 35 percent so uh you you think you're young you're healthy no need to worry about it Uh, and and (laughs) so 10 15 percent of the population gets flu every year and from that in the United States, thirty to 60,000 people die. Now, most of the time, admittedly, it is the very young and the very old, but then there are these cases where somebody that's young and healthy and has a, and a robust immune system has too much of a response, and that can mm-hmm. cause problems too. So uh, the other thing that happens, the other, the other way to die with the influenza is you get a secondary infection from something bacterial. So directly from the flu, from this overactive immune response that can hit or uh, from a secondary bacterial infection as well, like pneumonia or some, you know, the actual bug pneumonia, which um, can kill people as well. So a number of ways that flu is very, very dangerous. And it's dangerous uh, not only for the young and for the old, but also for pregnant women, much mm-hmm. more susceptible uh, to being infected with the flu and having difficulties uh, with the flu, much higher fatality rate. So it's not, it's just not something to, to mess around with. Get your flu. Yeah, shot. absolutely. You do the numbers on that. That's a hundred to 200 a day in the United yeah. States die from the flu. That's, that's, those are staggering numbers, yeah. people. Those, it's, un, it's hard to believe almost. Well, that, that's with the best medical system in the world. It's yeah. with all of the technology we have to bring to bear. Uh, you look at the rest of the world, you know, it is. It's it's a half a million to 600,000 people every year that die from influenza when it, it comes through. So Okay, so say we didn't get our, our vaccination. We should have but didn't do it. What would be, like, the biggest warning signs for us? Well, so flu is, is pretty – so this time of year we have a lot of what we call influenza-like illnesses. Right. So, yeah coughs or throat stuffy nose and things like that that's that, that's not influenza influenza is i started out to work in the morning by the time lunch hit i was uh, i felt like a mac truck hit me i'm really weak muscle aches those kinds of things fever that comes on suddenly high fever uh, that that's a it's a different kind of you don't really have those kind of upper respiratory tract kinds of things it's more lower and uh, hmm. so <clears throat> You can, you can have some of that, sure. but that's not that's not the hallmark of flu. Flu is this rapid onset fever. You feel terrible. You feel like you're going to die for the first. This is how I described it because I had it, you know, because I thought I was invincible at one time. So, <laughs> we all so we I, all did. Yeah. So I uh, 
Uh, your first two days, you think, man, I'm as sick as I've ever been. Next two days, you say, I'm, I'm going to die. I've, I'm as sick as I've ever been. For the next two days, you say, I haven't died, but I really want to mm. because this is I – mean, I was talking to the wall and things like that. Then, um, then you start to get better. But usually it's two weeks recovery time. You're out of, out of work for two weeks. Even just that is the reason to get a flu shot. You know? Has there been any predictor on, on how to tell when it's gotten serious to the point where your life is threatened? Is it, I mean, is there an indication? I guess what I'm saying is even when I have the flu and feel really, really bad, I'm probably yeah. not going to go to the emergency room. Right. So if you have difficulty breathing and uh, – you know, if you have kids and you're watching them and their lips turn dusky, you know, hmm. indications that you're not saturating your oxygen well enough, those kinds of things. Yeah, head over to the emergency room. Man, oh, man. It, you, you really don't even think about how serious that, that can be. Yeah. Um, now, now, we do have um, Tamiflu available and, and some antiviral medications for influenza. Uh Fortunately or unfortunately, mostly unfortunately, they they work best if you take them within the 48, first 48 hours. So mm. as soon as that uh, feeling like a Mack truck hits you kinds of thing, <laughs> really rapid onset, very severe illness, if you can get to the doctor with that quickly, um, that Tamiflu really helps. Shortens the course, the severity, mm. does, does a good job. How, how long ago was it that you had it? I was when I was in medical school, so I was run down anyway. A few um, years ago. Yeah. Okay. But, was, uh, was Tamiflu available then? No, it was no. not. So I just toughed it out. But. Well, we're glad you made it through. <laughs> we're glad you made it through. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy and with Dr. Blodgett. How are you today? Yes, that's me. Yeah, that's you. Okay. Um, Dr. Blodgett, I have a, a couple of comments, and then I'd like to ask you a question. And and basically, my um, grandparents all went through Ellis Island and were, depending upon, there was a really intense screening process where they were observing fevers and sneezing and coughing and anything that was visible. And it was sort of based on your ticket. If you were wealthy and, and the like, and if you were down in the hold in the less desirable areas, they scrutinized you more. And that... In the cases that they observed, um, they were shaved, fumigated, and uh, stayed in quarantine for 14 days. Wow. Okay, so back in the day at Ellis Island, there was a place called the Plague House. And people who came on the boat weren't necessarily admitted to the country, and many, for various reasons, were deported. Now, the information that I'm picking up from Hunan province is that the pigs were vaccinated, the pigs were euthanized, um, the rats ate the pigs, the fleas and the virus were spreading, and that the people were eating the rats at the market. Millions probably are infected. And the screening today that I see on the television set with the planes flying everywhere, all over the many, many places are infected. And the screening that I'm seeing, based on my uh, background in chemical nuke and biological warfare and through the CERT program, I see that as almost uh, totally ineffective 
And the stock market, last I saw, was uh, 400 uh, points down that yeah. business people are really concerned about what impact this is going to have across the station, nation. And I just wonder, Dr. Blodgett, um, what will you do particularly to mitigate the spread of this virus in the five counties that you have jurisdiction? And what can we do to avoid contact and uh, uh, picking up and, and spreading this virus if it, in fact, is uh, any different than the common flu that the people are dying of? All right. Great questions. Great questions. Yeah. Great questions. He, he jumped the gun. I was going to ask those same questions. But well, well said, Seth. Um, yeah, I guess that number one question, what, what are you going to do? What is the Southwest Utah Public Health Department going to do? Well, so... As it stands right now, fortunately, we're in a phase of things where it's fairly easy to track people that are traveling from that part of the world. And actually, we know any of those people that are in our area, and we uh, we work with them to make sure that they isolate themselves, kind of a self-quarantine kind of a situation. That's a, quarantine actually means, by the way, 40. So the original quarantine period in those ships was 40 days. They made wow. the ship docked for 40 days off of harbor before they'd let them in and so so it's a well-established principle of public health that the you know the more you spread people out and the less you let them contact each other then uh, the better off you are so <clears throat> so there's an active and robust uh, system for tracking people that have come out of that area and uh in once they if they are symptomatic have any symptoms at all reminiscent of a cold or anything like that then uh there's a we we sample. We send those samples to the CDC. They're the only ones that can screen those diseases at the moment. Um, uh, the the whole system is ramped up across the state, so we're in uh, incident command mode, which is what they call high, it. high alert. <laughs> right? So we yeah. uh, we have we have calls with the state with situation updates on characteristic. I mean, part of the problem with this at the moment is that it's not well characterized. Uh, it's not for sure how long the incubation period is. Generally, for a coronavirus, it's about 14 days, so that's what we've been working with. But it could be longer or shorter. Just every you know every right. every variant looks a little different. So, so everybody in this situation is working hard to figure out well how do we ca- characterize this better so we can do a better job of of characterizing who's there. But it's surprising. Here's here's a city with 11 million people. And uh, how much traffic there is from our area to there, you know, even. So, you know, across the United States, there's people that this this started up right across the holidays. So maybe they were here in school or working or something, went home, came back, and – and now they're they're back, but they're in that window of potential opportunity to have picked this up and brought it here. So, so it's it's part of what you have to do to be diligent. Uh, we have uh, people that work in a field called epidemiology and surveillance, and they're great people, and and they're in the process of sorting through, looking, working with people to stay away, getting them tested, figuring out whether they actually have the disease. Uh, if they have, then anybody that came in contact with them, we'll track them down. That's part of uh, contact tracing, we call it. Um, we're putting the word out that um, this is an issue, and we're part of that whole overall information campaign. That's part of why I'm here. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so if if um, if you do – the things that we can do individually are – are the things we can always do. Wash your hands, be alert, watch for people that are around you that are having those symptoms. If you are sick and have 
one of these influenza-like illnesses like coronavirus is now, don't go out and expose other people. You know, we were... We went to a, a ball game the other day, and somebody sat right behind us and coughed on us the whole time. And you, the whole time you're thinking, oh, geez. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so I know those are not as satisfactory answers. I, I was kind of actually reflecting on the fact that something like this would have taken years to even identify and quantify. Now we've got the whole genome sequenced, and we've got a, a test that's up and running within you know days of the sitting the thing. Hmm. A virus takes a long, I mean, a vaccine takes longer to work on. it probably take a year or so and right. before that's up and running. And so so it's kind of back to old gumshoe public health kinds of issues. Um, and so depending on how easily this spreads, true airborne or droplet spread like the influenza virus, they just spread quickly. And it's really once once the cat's out of the bag, it's very very difficult to get that back in the bag. So, I, I kind of disagree a little bit with Seth in that if all of the flights coming into the country from that part of the world are screened, which they are, that will help, right? At least we know who those people are. At least we can track them and know where they're about and, and see if they well, become symptomatic and things like that. So. The scary thing I see is, okay, so we track someone who came in from there. We don't think they have it, but maybe they do, and it's still incubating in them. They get on a connecting flight to, say, Salt Lake City, yeah. which connects to St. George, and they're a carrier. Uh, then you've got a whole, you know, it's almost like the six degrees of seven bacon. Remember, yeah. uh, Kevin Bacon, remember that, that, yeah. that game where, you know, you're related this way, this way, and this way. If you're on an airplane, just coincidentally with someone who might have it, then boy, that, that's crazy. Well, and airplanes have done, so most people don't know this, but airplanes have done a pretty good job of, um, they isolate this air circulation system. So the air that you breathe on an airplane is only the, the, the six seats immediately around you, which really? is interesting, yeah. And they've got filters on them and stuff like that. So, so it's not full. None of this is foolproof. Sure. But it's better than it's ever been. Does that make sense? And, mm-hmm. and so there's always this this weighing the cost versus what can you what 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 can you realistically do? And and the the, the droplet slash airborne spread of disease is so potent and so difficult sure. to stop that. I mean, you look at the spread of H1N1. When it first came out in 2010, it went from Mexico, where it started, to everywhere else in the world within two weeks, right? I mean, it's just that easily spread. And so so it, 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 I'm not saying we can't stop the spread of it. I'm just saying it's, uh, it's, it has a way, right? Nature has its way of getting around. And so we'll continue to track it. We'll continue to watch for it. We'll continue to do it but as of right now there's been five cases in the united states they were all rapidly identified they were quickly pulled out from you know and isolated and all of those kind of so the system is working the the problem is if once that number gets to 2000 or something coming into the country then i then i think we just have to say then it's not we're going to say but the the potential to contain that becomes much much more difficult and and then you're back to what can you do to keep yourself healthy and isolate and stuff like that? We don't even know what the case fatality rate looks like here. The The early numbers coming out were suggesting perhaps 2 or 3%, which is high, sure. uh, but not catastrophic. So, But all of it kind of remains to be seen. We're in the very beginning stages. 
And uh, China's not known for being really open with uh, relaying the information that they have available. And so um, part of this will be an international effort to try and get them to really characterize things because they've got the, the vast majority of the cases at this time. So. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Dr. Blodgett and with Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Yeah, um, doctor, I got a couple of quick questions here. And being you're on the flu, and I've called in before, this is Wayne. Um, I've been using Curatine, Mary's number one best-selling Curatine brand, six-star. And I'm finding out that that there, and I'm not sure if, if it's harmful if you take too much of it, Curatine X3. But it actually, your subconscious and your muscles, when the flu hits you and stuff like that, and I'm taking this, it actually beelines it and puts it out over there to where it doesn't invade so bad and it goes away. Does that make any sense? I don't know. I mean, I haven't studied this at all. I It doesn't sound familiar to anything. Well, curatine is, is something that as we grow into older adults, we don't have anymore, and it'll give us uh, pretty much put the gravy on the gra- graveyard for us. It's something that our body produced when we were children and gave us all that energy and to fight off diseases and stuff. And then uh, as you go into an older adult, I started putting it back in my body and finding out that it's actually combating a lot of problems. And it makes you more aware of problems growing around you or or within your body. Curatine. Yeah, curatine. Never heard of it. Sold at Walmart and it's called Six Star. It's in the health department there, mm. um, and uh, it tastes really good. It tastes just like Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just awesome. But the other question, real quick, about what's going on in China, yeah. and that this has crossed my mind because I've been out here doing this medical research for the military and the government on how we're surviving out here in the desert and in America. And I've run across a lot of problems with healings, and and people go, well, what does your doctor say about that? Being you're working under the roof of a hospital, you must have a doctor's degree. And I go, no, I do not. My degree is much different than a doctor's. But what, what I'm getting across here is something came across to me that a doctor should be aware of. Now, the little field mystery of that m- murdered elder couple led to what I'm about to describe. What happened is it crossed out of Utah into Nevada, and it's quite the monopoly about the dispensary, the bumper stocker machine guns, and the health care in the community. Well, what happened was when they got stuck with this mystery of the Littlefield murder, they cornered one of the guys out here just outside of Mesquite, and um, the ranchers and a couple city policemen in plain clothes just drove up and took him down, shot him. I was right there. I'm right here. Wasn't involved in it. It just rattled me bad. And this one lady says, go see your doctor. I says, well, ma'am, but um, what it was, then they turned right around a day later and put him in the news. It was on KDXU. One time it came across the news, just once. They found another body, a man, 
in Mesquite, sitting in his vehicle with a gunshot wound, dead. I, rem- now, I remember murdered. that story, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he was murdered right in front of me. No way would he be given a fair hearing in court. Just They just went out there and took him down. Now, I witnessed him up there in Utah, square top. Hey, hey, little, hey, hey Wayne, i got to get a weather break in. Thank you for calling today, though. A little interference in the background there, so we'll pop down the music. But Andy here, live to the Andy Griffin Show. I'm with Dr. Dave Blodgett. We've been talking a little bit about this coronavirus. Uh, you know, and Seth asked some obvious, some important questions. Uh, what? How can we assure that it, it doesn't happen here? I, I think one of the things, well, two things that came out to me as I was reading the news reports about these. Number one, it seemed like, and the Chinese officials have admitted that they didn't release information about it in a, quote, timely manner, which, I mean, in this instance, time time is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and they're actually saying <clears throat> today that the incubation period for this might be longer than we're used to seeing in coronavirus. So mm. <clears throat> it might <clears throat> end up that it's more difficult to track and and treat and trace than than even what we would have expected with a coronavirus like SARS. So we have examples of coronaviruses that become kind of extra killers, not the way they usually are. So SARS, the severe acute respiratory syndrome, mm-hmm. is a coronavirus, and MERS, Middle MERS. East Respiratory yep. Syndrome, which is a, a, a basically a mutated coronavirus that uh, took on these kind of characteristics. So Seth's also right that the initial cases were all linked back to these kind of live animal markets that they have in China and right. they have here. And so... So it's probably, it could have been, who knows, nobody knows for sure that it'll take some time to work all the details out, but uh, could have been that it made the jump from animals to people, which is what happened with both SARS and MERS. So uh, so you get, you know, there's dozens, hundreds of types of viruses that cause the common cold. Coronavirus is one of those. Uh, there's seven variants of coronavirus, at least, that they've identified that can cause human illness. And uh, one of, you know, somehow, once that, this intermingling and, uh, you know, you, it, an animal gets infected with a human version and they get infected with an animal version. And then there's some cross-hatching that goes on and then out pops a brand new disease. Yeah, That's the model for a, a pandemic influenza virus. But I think it's also a model that uh, explains how things like this happen, too. So... So, uh, you know, I, I like to break it down on a personal level now. As far as me, Joe Average, you know, in the streets of St. George, Utah, is there anything I can do right now that has anything to do with the coronavirus? <laughs> and I guess the answer is probably not. The answer is being healthy. Yeah. yeah. Do what you can to be healthy and washing your hands and just, I mean, we're in cold and flu season anyway, right? So nobody wants to get sick with that. And, uh for most people, it seems like 97%, even if they get this, it's a, it's a cold flu kind of situation that they end up uh, recovering for over time. But uh, but there is this possibility and this hanging out there that so there are some people dying from this. And so we'll take it very seriously. We'll figure out how to add it to the long list of diseases that can and will hurt you. And uh, we'll, we'll do our business. Uh, but it's that. Uh, plug where we say having the lowest funded health department in the nation is probably not the <laughs> ultimate way to make sure mm. that, that happens. So, uh, but that's just my. I'm, I'm in legislative mode, right? So, 
That's right. That's right. Uh, should should I be worried about flying? Should I be worried about traveling? Uh, I have a trip coming up in a couple of weeks uh, to, to the Caribbean. I mean, obviously, yeah. Caribbean and China are a long way apart. But should that be something I should be concerned about? Well, so the CDC is recommended people not travel to Wuhan specifically in China and maybe China in general until mm-hmm. this all gets sorted out. Um, um, you know, you have to make those connections. How likely is it from somebody that's infected to be coming from an area and then getting on that plane with you and going to the Caribbean? Probably not as likely. So so most of the message, the, the CDC says the this disease is concerning and that there is, you know, but that the risk in the United States currently is very low. So I think if you're have plans and you've got a, you know, we're, we're planning to go to Disneyland probably over spring break. I think we're going to still do that. So I I think we still need to live our lives. This isn't, you know, we, we don't, uh, let me, let me take it back again to the flu, right? As the numbers stand right now, you're hundreds of times more likely to get the flu and have real trouble with the flu than this. And uh, people just go about their everyday lives and don't even pay attention. So I think uh, we'll continue to monitor. We'll continue to put the word out. We'll continue to uh, – uh, if it ramps up and it's much worse, then we'll we'll take those steps to help people know what to do. Um, we – we have this whole arsenal of things we could do. You've, you've noticed in China that they've locked it down so nobody can fly out of Wuhan now. Right. Um, and those kinds of uh, isolation, quarantine kinds of things uh, can make a big difference. And if we have to, we'll start to talk about those. But I don't think we're anywhere near those. There, there have been movies made, uh, you know, outbreak and television yeah. shows about about uh, you know a pandemic uh, causing worldwide deaths and millions and millions. Uh, I mean, I mean, this obviously we're getting a little. The reason we bring it up is because of the coronavirus. But is it a possibility that something big could come along that that uh, you know fiction becomes reality? Oh yeah, uh, that's that's what keeps me awake at night. Right? Oh. And, and, and actually is probably more likely than not eventually. Really? And so we have these networks set up to try and, and identify and, and stop those kinds of things. And that's why you're seeing the kind of attention you are on this coronavirus. I, um, it doesn't feel like that's the one, that this is the one right. like that. But it, I, I do think it could and does have the potential to spread worldwide, cause uh, a lot of illness some deaths uh, but as far as the one that's uh, 70% fatal that uh, spreads around the world and kills two thirds of the population that's not this one so. not this one but <laughs> but it could he, he you know. stays up at night uh, worrying about yeah. it was that I mean, was that a figurative or are you literally up at night worrying about no, it no no you have to take each day as it comes but mm. you know there were things when H5N1 hit I don't know if you remember those days but Here's a here's a version of the flu. It's an avian flu <clears throat> that was killing sixty percent of the people that got it. Wow! And uh, I didn't realize that. It's still hanging out there. It's never quite made the jump to go easily transmissible person to person. But but it was. It's a terrifying prospect. You know, sixty percent. So this this bug, this coronavirus. It's really not clear how easily it spreads person to person yet, incubation. But there's a lot of things that haven't been quantified that will tell us just how significant uh, the future will look with this uh, uh, coronavirus. SARS was interesting to look back at because it was a coronavirus. It happened pretty similarly. 
it made it to a few pockets around the world and caused a lot of disease and even death in those places. Toronto got hit very hard, if you remember. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that, but uh, 700 people died in Toronto. And then it just disappeared, right? It just right. stopped. <laughs> Nobody can explain that. So hmm. so, so that, I thought we that, killed it. We didn't kill it. It's, it's just, no, no. There was no vaccine. There, it just, just went away. And so... Wow. So I, that's what's pretty fascinating about my job and this whole world of infectious diseases. You just can't you can't write this stuff. Right? <laughs> you can't figure it out until it's happening. You have to deal with the actual realities of, of the situation as they come, and that's why not having as good a data as we need to have to kind of quantify and really um, be able to address this is uh, is unnerving for me. And yeah. uh, but as soon as we know, we can do a better job. It, it feels like it's spreading like wildfire in China. In China, thirty thousand already <clears throat> right. uh, is what they're saying. Uh, the, the potential, I guess, the possibility is that it could do that here or in Canada or in you know England or or France, uh, perhaps or perhaps. I mean, most of the data suggests that it isn't necessarily spreading easily person to person but that there was a, a a source that it came from that started all of this does that make sense so so maybe it was in something or yeah, I don't it, it until we have better data it's really hard to make kinds of generalizations like that but that's not where the media media goes right they oh yeah they no like no, no. To, we want the sensational <laughs> to story spread yeah, it sure. and, and make it as bad as it possibly can Sure. All right. It's eight. It's nine forty-seven. Uh, we've got Doctor Dave Blodgett. If you want to give him a call, six seven three five eight nine zero. We'd love to hear from you on the air. I want to take a quick commercial break. We want to thank Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant, and his focus is on customer service and making you happy. In fact, if you go to the socialsurvey.me website, he has uh, now three hundred reviews, and he averages an incredible four point nine one out of five stars. Uh, including this one uh, from Kim, five stars. He said, Joe stayed in communication and kept us advised at all times throughout the process. His professionalism and positive attitude made our transaction smooth and easy. Thanks, Joe, five stars. This is Arturo. He said, Joe Shoney was a great, is a great service to me, uh, five stars. The whole list of five stars. In fact, you go scrolling down, it's hard to find one that isn't a five-star rating on the, on the social survey website. Again, his name is Joe Shoney. Uh, really help you out with any kind of loan you might need, including, uh, you know, refis and uh, reverse mortgages. Give him a call today. His phone number is 435-590-6300, or you can email Joe at joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. Welcome back to the program. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I've got... uh, Public health expert David Blodgett here. Dr. Blodgett, thank you again for coming in today. Uh, not to your usual here, scheduled you. time, but uh, you yeah. came and made time for us, and, and really the timing's perfect as we talk about uh, a worldwide health scare now with this uh, coronavirus. And uh, we say coronavirus is actually, coronavirus actually is a big umbrella, and it, it, I guess, involved a lot of different uh, viruses. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so. I guess I could tell you a little story. We had a we had a phone call okay. that said, "Hey, there's somebody that came out of Wuhan in your area." Really? And uh, we want you to take a look at them. So we got them tested, and now the testing came back negative. Right? So, so um, we uh, we're on the case, and and I'm, I'm so I'm trying to figure out how to strike a balance between. <laughs> 
being reassuring and, and not over reassuring. So that sure. if something does come, then people say, Hey, you said nothing was going to happen. But, That's right. But uh, as, as I read it at, right now, I, I agree with the CDC's assessment. This is an alarming situation for the Chinese mm-hmm. and what's going on in China. But as far as here in America, your risk of any of this hitting you is extremely low. And until we have information that tells us, wow, this is spreading like influenza or something like that and has the same kind of impact and and, uh, fatality rate that influenza has, then – I'd be more worried about influenza. We're right in the middle of our influenza season. It's on the height side right now. It's uh, when people are sick, just stick, stay away from them, wash your hands, do all of those kind of things that we, we talk about about this time of year. And then uh, if, if, if it is the case that this is, you know, some mutant superbug that's killing lots and lots of people and it's here and it's spreading rapidly, then I think we'll have a different take on that. But for the moment... Um, it's something to be aware of. It's something to watch, something that we're doing our job and taking care of on the back end that you don't even know about. Uh, but then uh, we'll see how that uh, pans out in the long term. So. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy with Dr. Blodgett. How are you today? Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Dr. Blodgett. Good morning. Uh, doctor, earlier in the, uh, the show, you had made some comments about uh, the environment inside of an airplane. Uh, you said, I believe, uh, something about the uh, air supply or the circulation only affects uh, six rows, I think you said, and that there's filtration in the airplane that I think you gave the impression that somehow flying in an airplane is uh, pretty innocuous. And I'd just like to know where you got that information. I wasn't trying to make it seem innocuous, but uh, <clears throat> the idea is that one person on a plane won't infect everybody on the plane. So when we get a call that says somebody that was on a plane that had somebody else that was sick on it, it's the six seats immediately around them that we end up interviewing and screening and stuff like that. All the rest of the seats are much lower possibility of having some sort of spread. So, Well, that, ha- that has more to do with uh, their proximity. Uh, you made it sound like the, uh, the ventilation in the airplane is somehow isolated, and I just want you to, to know that that's absolutely not true. The air inside modern uh, commercial airplanes is recirculated throughout the entire airplane, there are no filters that do anything anything meaningful, really? and that if you're sitting in the back of the airplane, you're also being exposed to the same air that's in the front of the airplane. That's that's just not the information that I've been given. But well, I've worked we on these airplanes for the disagree. last thirty years. Well, <laughs> you can you can disagree if you want, uh, Doctor. I don't question your information when you give it up because that's your area of expertise. I happen to have an area of expertise when it comes to commercial airplanes, and I'm telling you what you are telling on the radio today is simply not true. Hmm. All right. Well, thank thanks for the call, and I. I I guess we can agree that, that uh, he, he I, you know, I, I think that's uh, Steve, I believe, and he, he has an area of expertise, and he's worked on airplanes, and uh, we'll go with that. I, I, I guess you're saying your standard is, when in this situation, you're, you're basically the standard is to test the area immediately surrounding the, the, the person that would be infect, infectious. Right. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy with Dr. Blodgett. How are you today? Hi, is that me? Yeah, that's you. we got about five minutes. Oh, okay. 
Well, hello, Dr. Blodgett. Hello. Um, I recently retired from nursing after close to 50 years. Um, and there's the thing that I feel is not emphasized enough in terms of um, health, you know, care prevention and, um, and catching things from other people. When, when you mention hand washing, that's huge. But do you know how many people just disregard it and they think that if they rinse their hands under running water, that's enough? And the parents that aren't teaching their children how important and the proper way to wash their hands. I feel like that's still the most important prevention, and I feel like it's still not taken seriously by the majority of people. And I wonder if um, public health couldn't, uh, you know, continue to encourage that, but say, hey, washing your hands isn't just running them um under the water for a few seconds there's more to it and yeah well, anyway well, anyway the public areas and walmarts and any public place are i'm sure are so contaminated but thank you so much yeah thanks for the call that's that's well said doctor i'm sure that i i think probably at times you feel like a parent talking to a three-year-old <laughs> you tell them you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and it's ignored and i'm not you know i'm not i'm not saying we're all three-year-olds out there but uh, i've heard many times you need to wash your hands under uh, well, as warm a water as you can as hot a water as you can stand with soap and you need to scrub them and what do i do i go in there and rinse off a little bit of soap and i'm out of there in about, yeah. in, with cold water in 20 seconds you know yeah you yeah, so sing the happy birthday song for twice through and lather <laughs> up good and get the back of your hands. And um, I, it, she's, she's right. It, it's when you think – they've done studies actually and, and they'll, they've quantified that people touch their face on the order of 200 times an hour. Ooh. So thousands of times a day. So if there's anything and, – and the flu virus will live for roughly 24 hours on a surface, right? So like this desk here. Mm-hmm. So if somebody sneezes on that, that, that flu is kind of hanging out there for 24, 24 hours. 24 hours. So, wow. so to stop the transmission from that surface to your face, really the only mechanism you have to do that is to wash your hands. So um, we. It, it's devilishly effective if you're a, if you're a, a virus to try and infect somebody else to continue the life cycle. For us, stopping mm. that is is important. So, hand washing isn't just something we say; it's something that actually works. So, and yet I would say, I don't know, ninety percent of us don't do it correctly. Yeah, or more. Well, and and so the other question is, can you use hand sanitizer? And the answer is for. For certain activities, you really should wash it with wash your hands. If you can see dirt on there, if you're going to the bathroom, if you are, you know, any of those kinds of things, uh, all of those things we talk about. But in in the interim, if you have hand sanitizer, that works very very well. Um, so maybe carrying a little hand sanitizer with you helps for those times when you're not around a sink. I got some like right that. here. Yep, he's got some right here. So. <laughs> I also lice all the microphone once a week or so. Maybe I should do that more often. So, um, so good, 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 a good second for what we've been saying. Yeah, we're down down to the last minute. I guess let, let, let's synopsize real quick about the coronavirus. Uh, are should we be worried? I 
I so I'm worried mm-hmm. <laughs> only because the potential is there for things to to be a, a new disease to worry about. Um, is it something for inordinate worry that uh, is out of the ordinary of things that we experience for quite regularly? I, I just don't think it is. And uh, and as for where what we know is going on right now, I think we have room to to take a step back, watch what's going on, and then uh, see what we can do to to stop it, the spread should it turn out to be easily spread and be here in America and, and rapidly spreading through America. All right. The fact that this has been going for weeks, though, and it's not here really is, is a good sign. 